0: Hello and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us online. For daily encouragement, events, service times, and more, check us out on social media. And now, this week's message.
1: So I have the privilege of introducing Jane Pierce to you guys. Welcome, Jane. Yeah, yeah. Jane is married to Chris, has two sons. Oh, they're right over there. One's over there. Sammy and Ollie are um, sons. Now, Jane, I, I said UFC earlier, and I realized that that is like <laughs> MMA fighting. Yeah. Um, she There's, didn't graduate right. from UFC, she graduated from UCF. Um, yeah, I know. A little different. Her. Yeah, you were an MMA fighter in the first service, so I'm sorry. So, um, but she graduated from there in Asbury, has been yep. here doing ministry for years. Well, all over Florida, which you call?
0: God's favorite state.
1: God's favorite state. And then she's here, and God brought them here about a year ago. Yeah. And so um, you guys have the privilege of hearing from Jane today, and we're excited. If you get to know her at all, you know she's passionate about what she's going to talk about today, prayer. But then also just serving God.
0: Yeah. Right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, it would be fun to be in the UFC, though. (laughs) Sometimes my house with two boys is remarkably similar to that. Um, Yeah, so we're so excited to be here. And um, one of our kids is over in youth. The other is here. And um, it's just so fun to be able to come and share God's Word about what I'm— one of the things I really love. He's right, just serving Jesus is what I love. But prayer— I'm super passionate about, and last week I think it was the if tables. If you're a woman and you've not been there, you need to go. Like this is how you meet people. Like this is how I've been meeting, and and so you share your prayer requests at the end. And I said, well, I'm sharing next week, and it's been a minute since I've preached, and I could use some prayer. But then. I told them that my family was so supportive that when I told, said to them, it's been like over a year since I preached, they said, no, you preach to us every single day. <laughs> and so um, take that as you will. We're going to pretend it's encouragement today. We're going to pretend it's a word of encouragement, and um, they might not always take it that way. But I was, I was thinking about that, and these past few weeks have been so busy with school starting, and it's been so fun to see lots of pictures of kids going back to school, and we even we have our kids up there, and you see the little littles to the big tall ones and those starting preschool and those starting kindergarten to those going middle school, high school and college, and thinking about our family and so many families and grandparents and just churches praying for students and teachers as they go back to school. And it made me think about our littles and prayers that, we prayed with them since they were little. And then even my childhood, like a 1,000 years ago, and prayers that I learned as a child that stuck with me. Now, maybe you have some prayers that you learned as a child that stuck with you. So I'm going to share a few with you right now. The first was at nighttime, bedtime prayers. And probably this was all the way through high school. I remember my mom coming, and you might know this prayer. And if you know it, you can pray it with me. Are you ready? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. So it wasn't just my house, yeah. All right, so, but I remember it and you remember it too. And how about mealtime prayers? One of my favorites I learned in preschool, and we taught it to our kids, and it's so fun. God made the sun, God made the sea, God made the little fish, and God made me. Thank you for the sun, thank you for the sea, thank you for the little fish, and thank you for me. I'm thinking this is when I started loving the beach was through this prayer. So, we're going to try it together. Y'all have your praying hands out, ready, ready. All right, God made the sun, God made the sea, God made the little fish, and God made me. Thank you for the sun, thank you for the sea, thank you for the little fish, and thank you for me. That was so good. Man, if you don't learn anything else, you learn a prayer to say at lunch today. And... For those that have said, I can't ever pray out loud, guess what? <laughs> you just did, and so the sky is the limit. That is so cool. Even if that's the only prayer you just pray a million times a day out loud, that's okay. But the prayers of children, they, they stick in us. And I was thinking, though, what would happen if we never moved beyond, now I lay me down to sleep, or God made the sun and God made the sea. Or what would happen if you didn't have childhood prayers, just those prayers that stay with you? What would happen if we never met God, if we never talked to him? Well, the other morning in my quiet time, I was in, I do daily reading plan, and I was in um, the chapter of book of James. And so I'm gonna encourage you to open up to James. It's in the New Testament. It's back from Revelation. It can be a little hard to find, but I know you can do. If you have your Bibles, open up. What's so great about using a Bible like this is that when God speaks, you can write, or sometimes He takes you to other verses and other chapters as He speaks, or you can use your phone, just silence it. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and we'll bring one to you and then you can, Jay's ready to go. Raise your hand if you need a Bible, and then that's your gift. You can take it home with you and continue to read it um, every day as you practice your praying, right? So if you go to James chapter 5, verse 17, hear this verse. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Now, we're going to get into the whole why of the not raining for three and a half years, but this verse is couched into a whole section about prayer, which you could preach on it itself, but this one verse. That day, I texted some friends that I know are up early praying as well, and I thought, man, what if I could be like Elijah? What if, what if I could pray like him? I wonder if I could pray. I wonder if I could make it stop raining or make it start raining again. He was just like us, it says, right? Now, maybe when you were little, you had dreams of being something or somebody else, right? Maybe a superhero or maybe an athlete or maybe a movie star, maybe a musician or, well, the sky's the limit with that too, right? Sometimes we want to be, you maybe want to be Batman or Wonder Woman or, I one of my favorite shows was The Bionic Woman, which when you hear the rest of the sermon, you're going to find that very ironic. But I'll share with you later. But um, just kind of be careful what you ask for is what I can say about that. So turn to your neighbor and share who or what you wanted to be when you were little. And if you still want to be that, share that too. So you have a few seconds. Turn and share someone or something you wanted to be. What do you want to be? What? An animator? Oh, that's cool. I like that. <coughs> All right, you guys excited? I am going to share that I overheard. I couldn't pass it up, Skip. Be careful what you say. In the first service, I was just standing listening to like all the rum leaks, and I just heard Skip say, I wanted to be a tree. <laughs> and I'm like, what? That never crossed my mind, like ever. So you can ask him about that later. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome for that. All right. Well, I decided I want to be like Elijah. And I don't know if any of you thought, man, I just want to be like Elijah. But in this verse, he tells us so much. It says that he was a human being even as we are. Some versions say that he had uh, was with a nature like ours. So stop right there for one second here. In in our minds, if you've read the Bible, if you study Bible, there's praise songs about Elijah, all kinds. We we know him as a great prophet, and sometimes we escalate escalate people in the Bible just like we do, our superheroes, right? But it says that he was a human being just like us or a nature like ours. What does that mean? It means that he was not God, he was a human, and that he had the same sin nature that we have and so he would have that same struggle, and yet God used him in the most powerful ways. And he obviously had a very close relationship with God that we learned through his prayer life. So that kind of gives some hope, right? That if Elijah was just like me or just like you, then maybe we can pray like he did. Now it says that he prayed earnestly, which translated means he prayed with prayer. I bet you've never said it quite like that, right? Which a Hebrew saying or phrase were prayed fervently. Now, this is super important right now. We think about him praying for rain to stop, and we'll learn about that in just a moment, for three years. I suspect he didn't just say, Oh, God, I'm just wondering if you could make it stop raining for three years. Right? He didn't just whisper that prayer up. It said that he prayed fervently. He prayed earnestly. He prayed with prayer. So we might imagine that he maybe was rocking back and forth, or maybe he was on his face before the Lord, or maybe he was standing in worship and awe and wonder, to the sovereign God saying, stop the rain for three and a half years. But what's so important too is that it is clear he believed what he was praying and he believed to whom he was praying. He was fervent. And if you were to watch him, like, maybe you're like, ooh, that's high on the weird meter. Because we kind of get away from that, right? Right? We've kind of maybe haven't had that fervent prayer, but you know what? It worked. It didn't rain. It didn't even rain a little bit. Because he believed God was going to do it. God instructed him to pray this way. And it's so important. And I, th- and I wondered then, can you and I pray like Elijah? Could we pray today and ask for that same thing to happen? So take a little bit deeper look. We're going to go to the Old Testament. For this, you're probably going to want your table of contents. In 1 Kings, we're going to start with chapter 16. It's so important. We're going to see what was happening, that God would stop the rain, which obviously would have some devastating results. Imagine if we didn't have rain for three and a half years. So nation of Israel, God's people, had been asking for a king to lead them and to rule them, so God had given them kings, and we're here in a series of kings that were not good. They were not godly. They were evil, even, is what the word says. And if you go first sixteen twenty five, here's about King Omri. Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord and sinned more than all those before him. That's pretty bad. I don't think any of us would want it to be said that he or she sinned more than anyone before them, because that would be a whole lot of sin, right? And so he did bad things. He took the people of Israel's eyes off of God and into different idols and to different gods. But God didn't step in right then. Omri's son, Ahab, came into being in 16, 1 Kings 16, 30, 33. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord, than any of those before him. Well, we already learned his dad did more evil than any of them before. And now he did even more evil. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Naboth, but he also married Jezebel. I'm thinking you've heard that name, not in the positive. <clears throat> Daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. He made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord. Hear that again. He did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings before him. Now, there have been kings that made him mad. But can you even imagine God's anger aroused more than anyone before? So, God brought in Elijah. Elijah was born to be that great prophet. Now, at that time, he didn't know he was a great prophet. He was simply being obedient to God. But God had to do something. There was a time of great darkness for the nation of Israel, for God's people, and God had to move. Now, maybe we can relate to that a little bit. Sometimes we think or or it looks like around us that there's a lot of darkness, that there's a lot of people, our world is from God, or it seems like sin is abounding, or it seems like crime is, is growing, or it seems like there's so much immorality, and then we might say, or maybe you've heard, it's never been this bad. It's worse than it's ever been, right? Have you ever heard that or said that? But we know that can't be true, because when we go back to the scriptures, we see violence, and we see immorality, and we see darkness. And we're wondering, why, God, aren't you coming now? Why isn't Jesus coming now? Why aren't you stepping in now, right, to bring light into this world? Well, now, at this time back with Ahab, God did step in with Elijah. He brought Elijah on the scene. And through fervent prayer, he brought a drought on Israel that would last over three years. 1 Kings 17, 1 says this now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, he's talking directly to the king. He didn't hear it from a message. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So we're talking no water. Now, I don't know about you, but when I take my dogs out in the morning, the grass is wet, right, Often. There's dew. God's like, no water, which would result in famine and a lot of hurt and devastation, right? Imagine we didn't have rain for three years, over three years. But he had to do something to get their attention. But even in that time of darkness, God provided everything Elijah would need to live. Elijah raised a dead boy to life. And here's a spoiler alert. If you keep on reading the Second Kings, we learn that Elijah did not die, but rather God took him up in a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah was deeply loved by God. And guess what, church? You and I are deeply loved by the very same sovereign God that loved Elijah, that taught him how to pray, that sent him to pray. And he has that for us, that even though it might seem like there's darkness, or you have circumstances, or you have illness, or you have relationships, or the world is out of hand, whatever it is that weighs on your heart, he deeply loves you and he cares about it. And because of Jesus, we know that that, all that darkness has been defeated. We know that there's ultimate healing. We know that there's reconciliation. We know that there will be peace, just as Skip shared earlier today. But my question is, what has God sent you to pray for fervently? Fervently, earnestly, prayer with prayer. What has he sent me to pray for? And You might be thinking, well, I can't pray like Elijah. I whisper a prayer on my way to work or on my way to school, but I can't pray earnestly or fervently. And and it's good. It's good that you whisper your prayers. It's good that you're in communication, but God can take God once more than that. One of the things we start thinking, I believe, is that somehow we're going to bother God. Right? We think, man... And I've seen it, and I've heard it. Someone might say, well, I'm going into surgery. Could you whisper a prayer? Whisper a prayer? No. No. Get on your knees and pray fervently. There is no need for us to be ashamed and whisper a prayer, but to shout it out, to sometimes cry from our gut without words. Whatever the case may be, and you might say, well, we've heard you in ministry for years, it's easy for you. Well, I'm going to tell you, that's not where I learned to pray. I learned to pray, we learned to pray through God, through his Holy Spirit, and through his word. He teaches us how to pray. In fact, when I finally was obedient to God and and acknowledging during one night devotion that I felt called to ministry in college, and this was about five years after, I was doing my own thing, and if you're aware of God, he, he's not real keen on that too much. And so one night, he's like, you're gonna, you've done it your way, now you're going to do it mine. It was more like a directive. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go to seminary. I guess I'll go to Kentucky, which I'm from Florida. And if you don't know geography very well, there's no beaches in Kentucky. But I went and woke up my roommate, and I was like, I can't even pray the Lord's Prayer out loud. And it's written down, like it's in the Bible god took that as a challenge and it's like oh you have no idea and so for those of you too that maybe could relate he wants you to talk to him he wants you to cry out he wants you to pray fervently like elijah our sovereign god is not surprised at who you are who i am that we're here at 2022. he's not surprised that We're here with all the events of the world. He's not surprised that we're here where it seems like immorality is growing rampantly. He's not surprised that my family, that we're here at this church, even though last fall I was very surprised (laughs) when we were at this church. I didn't know that was coming, but God wasn't surprised. He knows that. Jeremiah one five says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He knew us before we were in the womb. He's not surprised. And you might say, well, I have not been appointed, as far as I know, as a great prophet to the nations. But if you are a disciple of Jesus, then you are very much appointed to share the word of God. And his truth which is what prophets did they bring they brought and they bring the Word of God and his truth And so you are very much appointed to that in this season if we're in a relationship with anyone one of the keys is what communication we have to listen we have to talk to be honest and transparent and vulnerable it should be even more so with our sovereign God, the one that breathes breath into us. And yet we hold back, thinking we can't tell God what we did. Well, God knows what we did. We learned that from Adam and Eve, right? Trying to run from God in the garden. He wants us to be transparent. So, can we pray like Elijah? I think we can, yeah. There's some good things, some steps we're going to look at, some keys to that. Show up. <laughs> you have showed up here, so you've done it. Elijah showed up. There's no great introduction to Elijah. It just says who he was and that he was there, and then he prayed for drought, and it came. It didn't say he had great schooling. It didn't say he had any education. It didn't say he had any experience as a prophet. He showed up. Show up and pray. You can pray. You can show up every day in a quiet time. And and for anyone that knows me, this is a huge, huge soapbox of mine. To have time with God where you are focused on him. Where you can pray and read the Bible and worship before life hits you, as soon as you walk out of that room or as soon as you get up from that table, wherever you are and pray, you can can join together with others to pray for the church, to pray for the nation, to pray for revival, to pray for illness, to pray for healing, to pray for reconciliation, whatever, just show up and do it. If God calls you or speaks to your heart, says, man, you need to reach out to so-and-so and and pray for him, just do it, show up. There's no grading scale, and somehow we think there's a grading scale like, oh, that's a super prayer, oh, that was not very good. That's not going to happen, because if we're praying, the Holy Spirit is going to teach us how to pray. Jesus was telling a parable in Matthew 18, and before he told the parable, he said, he did it to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray and don't give up. Number two, be obedient and submitted to God. Scripture tells us that Elijah was a great man of God. Why? Because he was in a relationship with him, he was obedient, and he submitted. What do those big words mean? It means you're God and I'm not. It means I am submitting to you all of my life. I'm, I'm surrendering, I'm submitting my family and my home. I'm submitting my heart and my will and my desires for yours, God. And, and for a large part of us, that's hard to do because it means we're letting go and we're saying, God, whatever you want. But Elijah did that. He didn't care. He went right in the face of the king. He wasn't worried. He was so submitted to God. He's like, hey, king, this is what's going to happen. You've been evil. So submit to him. Give it up. Three, believe the Lord hears you when you pray. I think sometimes that's why we whisper prayer, because we're not quite sure he hears us. We don't quite 100% believe whom we're praying to, and we maybe part of us isn't sure if he cares, or else we'd always be bold about it, right? First John 5:14 to 15 assures us this. This is confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. He hears us. And you might say, Jane, how do I know that I'm praying His will? Well. Almost, I try to. I'm like, God, teach me how to pray. And sometimes we think we're praying his will. We're certain of it, and yet we don't see things happening. That could be that is not for now. We live in a microwave generation. We make popcorn. We have it in two minutes and 35 seconds. So that makes us think, oh, I know God's will is going to happen today. No. Sometimes he has to work in us. Sometimes he has to work in other things. And sometimes he has to change our praying to his will but he hears you he hears you he always hears you after Elijah prayed for rain to stop God directed him to go back and pray for rain to stop after three years and he didn't see immediate results this great man of God you think well he told me pray for rain it's gonna rain so when we get to 1st Kings chapter 18 he encounters Ahab And he set up that there's a fight between um, Baal and the sovereign God. Well, guess who won that one? The sovereign God won because Baal is not living, right? And so then they they decided to seize all the prophets of Baal. And so God's like, okay, now we're on the right path. Now it can rain again. And so if we go to 1 Kings 18, verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. He could hear it in his head. He knew it was going to happen. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, that's Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. He was submitted before, the, before God, and he told his servant, Go and look toward the sea. He was looking for clouds. Now, we on the beach, we understand that. We see storms rolling in, Right? So he sent his servant, go and look. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah told him to go look. Go back, go back, go back. I know it's coming. That's what he was saying. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. That's all he needed to know that God heard him and was moving. Now we see clouds all the time. Can you imagine seeing one as small as a man's hand saying, "Oh, it's going to a thunderstorm." Now we know and we know the clouds that produce thunderstorms, but we don't always see a tiny one like, "Oh, we better not go to the beach today. The rain's coming," if we saw a tiny one. But he knew it. He knew God heard him by the smallest of appearance. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. There's going to be that much rain. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. A wind rose. A heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. When he prayed, nothing seemed to happen. I don't know about you, but that's happened to me many, 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 sometimes months on end but show up and keep doing it keep praying maybe the same thing and god will show you a small cloud or something that he hears you he's always listening to you when we pray fervently and earnestly and passionately and it doesn't seem like god is doing anything that can be defeating and the enemy wants to get in there and say guess he doesn't care guess he isn't going to do anything guess you're wrong stop praying no when you hear that voice, you pray more. And you tell the enemy that he is wrong and to get out of your sight. Now, example from my life is that I've lived with rheumatoid arthritis since I was 18 years old. And I was a church girl when I got sick in my senior year of high school, but I don't really remember praying about it a lot. And until I got to seminary, which is about 10 years later, and they brought in a guy to have a prayer weekend. And so we went Friday night into Saturday, culminating with worship on Sunday, late into the night, then up early the next day, and people were just praying and crying out to the Lord and on the ground. And I remember going back to where I lived, and I thought, God, he's going to cure me. He's going to heal me. I knew it. I didn't doubt it. And so I i don't know i don't remember praying about it after that but a few years after that serving my first church about time i was 30 i found myself with four surgeries for four new joints and so i thought well god didn't heal me right that's what i thought clearly i heard him wrong i wasn't upset i wasn't mad i just thought well that's not god's plan it's not his purpose 20 years later total of 15 more surgeries i'm like I got it, I got it, God, God, you're not healing me like that. But guess what? He had bigger plans and purposes. I thought he was going to literally <laughs> heal the disease, which he does sometimes. He does, he can. But in my life, it was for different purposes, to learn to rely on him more, to to rely on his strength when I didn't have strength. Through all these years, he kept me In full-time ministry, he allowed me to have um, our beautiful children. He showed me his strength in the midst of weakness. In fact, he gave me this verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, which some of you might know, right? Paul is struggling. He's asking God to take that thorn from his flesh. And uh, verse 8, three times, I plead with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient, meaning that's all you need. You don't need any more. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, I'm not going to lie and tell you that when I have to go have a major a uh, joint replacement, I'm like, oh, yay, I'm delighting in this. This is fantastic. But I'll learn about resting in him and his grace. And you never know how God is using you to bring his glory, even when he's not answering you the way you want to. You don't know that. God uses all kinds of stuff. He uses us, and we're all messed up. So don't give up hope. Keep praying with prayer. Pray fervently. For believe in power of prayer through his Holy Spirit. Believe it enough to say, I don't have to whisper anymore. I am calling out to God. I am on my face before him. I'm reaching out to a friend and saying, will you please pray with me or pray for me? I have nothing to be ashamed of. I'm going to do what he wants us to do And for being in ministry for many years. I think again, it's an enemy that holds us back. He says, you don't have the authority to pray. You aren't going to make any sense out of what you pray. They're not going to listen to you. If you go up and say, I want to pray. Guess what? God is the victor in all of it. Well, if he tells you to go pray with someone, go pray with them. God takes our words which when I pray, I make up words. I have terrible grammar. I forget what I'm praying about, but I keep praying, and God's Holy Spirit makes it to be what he needs it to be for him and for other people. So just do it. Get beyond ourselves. It can't actually be selfish when we say, well, I'm not good enough or... Because we're worried about what people are going to say. Let's be worried, worried about what God is going to say. If he's saying to go pray, then we need to go pray. We need to give up on what the enemy is saying and say, no, God told me to pray, so I'm going to sit in my closet and pray. Or God told me to go and pray in front of the church. Or God told me to go pray in front of the school. Or God told me to call my friend and ask him how I could pray for him today. Or God told me to show up at the hospital and pray. No one can stop you and me from doing what God wants us to do and no one is going to say you don't have the authority to pray except the enemy because if you love Jesus as soon as you came in a relationship with Jesus we're giving that authority to pray all the authority that you need so go do it don't be ashamed about it when you need prayer Say, will you pray fervently for me? I have this test coming up. I have this family situation. My loved one is sick. I'm having to whatever it is. Or we need to pray fervently for our community. Don't just be gentle about it. Go in it and be earnest and fervent. So when I think about being like Elijah... Can we stop the rain? Can we start the rain? Have you prayed for rain to not come because you had a wedding or you had a picnic, right? But let me ask you this: Did you pray, uh, God, if it just please don't make it rain? Did you believe that God, maybe, would not make it rain? Or did you pray fervently, believing what you're praying for to whom you are praying? Our nature is like Elijah's. That gives me great hope that we too can pray like he prays. And so today we have that opportunity. Every Sunday here we have that opportunity to pray. This place, a sanctuary, a safe place for God to work stuff out within us. I've found that it's one of the few places God gets my total attention. It's like, now you're going to work on it. You can't go do other 10,000 things around you. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to have our time of prayer. Um, as, we, as you can sing or not sing, Ashton's going to lead us. So I'm going to ask you this. If you feel comfortable praying with someone else, I'm going to ask that you just simply um, stand where you are. If you feel comfortable praying with someone, if someone needs prayer, just stand wherever you are. That's so beautiful. That's beautiful. Love that. Now, part of the other part is sometimes we're afraid to ask someone to pray with us, too. We're ashamed of it somehow. But when God brings us together in prayer, there's great power in that. So during this time, you can come up here. You can pray here. You can pray in your seats. You can turn around and kneel at your seats. You can go and pray with one of these great prayer warriors around the room and just say, please pray with me. And then simply tell him what. But do it. Show up. Believe he hears you. Don't be timid. So God, as we go into this time, we pray for your Holy Spirit. Get us out of our seats. Get us before you. You are a sovereign God. You're God and we're not. Forgive us. Forgive us when we hold back. So Lord God, I thank you for every brother and sister standing to pray with people. and For those, God, there's lots of need for prayer in this room. Help us to step out. Pray together. Believe to whom we're praying and to what we're praying for. Thank you again for joining us online. We hope you enjoyed the message. To connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. For more information about who we are, check out seacoastvineyard.com. We would love to hear from you, so make sure you leave us a review or drop us a message. Until next time, have a great day.